Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, the discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support. We'd love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Well, today we are in the next sermon in our study of prayer, and we're just kind of doing a, a, a topical but in-depth study on these. So it's topical in the fact that we're going from thought to thought, but it's going to be in-depth as we go through entire passages and study this exegetically. But um, I'm excited about it because prayer is God's power and connection in our life, Right? It is us going to God and saying, Dad, I need you to interact. I need divine intervention right here and right now. There was a lady who lived out in the country and never had electricity. She lived up in the mountains where they decided that they weren't going to run unless somebody had requested it, but eventually what took place was everybody started connecting to the grid, and so her family decided they would go ahead and call to have a run connected to her house. After about six months of having her connected, the, the power company got a little worried because they noticed that she just wasn't using what everybody else in that area was using when it came to units of power. So the company officials drove over to her house to make sure that everything was connected properly, that maybe they hadn't missed a connection or, or something of that nature, or that maybe they hadn't properly installed the meter. And so they did all those things, and they all checked out proper, and so they went up to the lady and they said, well, let's just go ahead and talk to her about what she's doing. And they said, ma'am, do you uh, enjoy having your electric hookup? And she said, oh my, yes. One of the representatives said, well, tell us how you're using it. And the old woman paused for a second, and then with just excitement in her eyes, she began to explain that every evening as the sun went down and was setting, she turned on the lights in every room and went from kerosene lamp to kerosene lamp, lighting them and turned off the lights. She was still living a kerosene existence when everybody else was enjoying, enjoying the comforts of having electricity. You see, God has given us tremendous power through His presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And yet, many of us fail to connect. We're trying to live off-grid when it comes to our spiritual life, aren't we? We settle for less by relying on our own human ability, our own human thoughts and reasoning, and there are certain things that God has never intended for us to do alone or lean on our own wisdom, as Scripture tells us. 
We may be fine when it comes to choosing which shirt to go out in in the morning, okay? And even that, sometimes us guys need some help from the ladies, don't we? But when it comes to stormy winds that blow hard in our life, it's time to hand things over to an omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful Savior, isn't it? I don't think you guys were awake on that. I said let's hand things over to the one that is all-powerful and Scripture says is able. Amen? Amen. In Acts chapter 12, we learn that Peter had been arrested. And that no amount of human effort was going to free him. In fact, if you have your Bibles, let's all go to Acts chapter 12 because that's going to be a main portion of our study today. However, we discover the supernatural strength and power of the Almighty God can do anything. What man says is impossible... We try to put God in our box of understanding. God's the creator of that box. God is the creator of our understanding and can do so many things that we don't think of. The people of earth got down on their knees in Acts chapter 12. And they began to ask for divine intervention from an infinite God. They asked for God up there to do something great down here. So to start, we look at chapter 12 of Acts, verses 1 and 2. And I want to catch you up to speed of what's going on here. To start, Herod is a wicked king of Jerusalem. He was set up more as a governor rather than a true king because Caesar was still head. And he wasn't friendly to any newcomer Christians in verses 1 and 2. It tells us in order to endear himself to the Jews because they didn't want to accept him as king, he wasn't from the line of David, he decided he would go ahead and put James the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, to death. That's right off the bat in verses 1 and 2. We read this. It says that basically he wants to make the people happy. He wants to endear himself as king. He wants to show he has authority, but he also wants to show that, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm religious too. And so he puts James to death. And the people are in a bad spot and in need of God to intervene. Because let's take a look at verse 3. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So what do you think his intentions are? He's just killed James the son of Zebedee. Remember, the guy that was standing next to John at the riverbed, at the lake. They're fishing on their dad's boats. They're mending the nets. And what does Jesus say to them? Follow me. For the next three and a half years, James was one of Jesus' disciples. And so now he has Peter in his grasp. Peter's been arrested. The head of the church in Jerusalem. And they're looking to go ahead and do the same thing to Peter as they did to James. He figures by removing the top, removing the head, the people will scatter. 
And so this is wicked King Herod's intention when it comes to things. But let's read together verses 5 to 16. It says, So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to an iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they were, went out and went along one of the streets, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth an angel to rescue me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were, were expecting. And we realized this. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many of them were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked on the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran to announce that Peter was standing in front at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying to her, it is just an angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. Brothers and sisters, simply put, Peter was released through the power of prayer. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. It means that we are to have a continual conversation with God, constantly going, that even though we say amen, we're still talking to Him. That even though we stop in a moment, even though our eyes open up, our conversation with Him is a continual thing. Have you ever had that friend? That best friend? That maybe you don't talk to all the time. But when you start talking, it picks up right where it left off. We are to have a never-ceasing conversation with God. When we go back to Him, it picks up where we left off. Why? Because we are comfortable in our place with Him. Because we are familiar in our place with Him. Amen? The Bible tells us that the church had been praying fervently for Peter to be released. 
This means they were praying without ceasing. That their conversation with God was such that they were continually going before the Lord and remembering Peter in their prayer and his time he was in prison. Knowing that God had the power they lacked to release him. Knowing that they loved Peter and there is nothing that they could physically do. But God can do all things. But the funniest thing happened, and I love this story of Acts, because they're praying, but there's still a doubt in their head. Do you see it in the passage? You see it because Peter comes and, and the people are praying. The angel comes, wakes them up. Hey, Peter, you're about to, you know, Herod's about to give you your death sentence. Peter, wake up, right? And he goes ahead and he nudges him, wakes him up at his side. And Peter is in a daze. He's like, this is a vision. This isn't happening. I'm about to die. I ate bad prison food. You know, the, the guys told me not to eat the prison food because it messes up, you know, your stomach. You start getting, you know, it's too spicy, something. I don't know. He's just having this idea that there's something else taking place and he's not believing what's happening to him. That's what verse 9 lets us know. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, what are you wrestling with today that you are holding on to and not releasing and believing that God can handle? Have you handed it over to the Lord through prayer as the people in Jerusalem had done? As Peter chained between two guards and with one in front of him had done? Are you going to the God who could do all things, who has sufficient power to provide for us and move forward in our own weakness. You can't handle the weight of temptation. I need to tell you that. God's original design for your life was not for you to go through life with temptation. He designed you to go through life walking and talking with Him. It was Satan that brought temptation into our lives. He didn't design you to go through life worrying about things that were going to take place. Why? Because in that garden of peace and tranquility, all of our needs were provided for, weren't they? You walked up to the tree, you ate. It was perfect. And so God doesn't want us to go through life through temptation, oppression, worldliness, work, kids, whatever it might be. And not go to Him in prayer. To not to hand it to Him. We sit to pray and that is the light switch being turned on. But when we say, God, I got this handled. God, I got work handled. God, I got kids handled. God, I have my relationship with my wife handled. God, don't worry about my job handled. God, don't worry about all these things in my life. I have it handled. We are not turning on the power that we have through prayer. We're using a kerosene lamp. And what God wants us to do is tap into His power through prayer in our lives. He wants to take off the chains that are chained to us spiritually. Just as he did for Peter physically. 
He wants us to go to Him in our struggle to sin. Rather than say, Lord, you can, you can take a back seat on this one. I, I just need to work harder. You know how many people I know that that's their idea of what they need to do with sin? I just need to work harder rather than go to the Lord and hand it up to Him saying, I can't control this temptation in my life. And it keeps on leading to sin. Which leads to a death in my relationship with you. Which what they need to do is say, God, I am not controlling this in my life. And I hand it up to you. And I wait expectantly. We need to go to the Lord and say, God, I don't know how to parent, but I know the greatest father there is. God, I don't know what to do in marriage, but you tell me in Scripture that marriage is an example of my relationship with you. So guide me in that relationship. God, I don't know exactly how to be the best employee or boss or whatever it might be, but Lord, I'm going to depend on you to guide me through this. We need to tap into the power of prayer in our lives and just turn off. The kerosene lamp of self. We don't need to hold on to our struggles, worries, and doubts anymore. Stop struggling on your own. Stop trying to believe you have it handled. And we need to hand it over to the one that can. Allow Him to be your strength and everlasting peace. You know what James 4.2 says? James 4.2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. You know what that means? He's saying, hey, listen, you don't understand things. You don't know how to handle things. You don't know what's going on in your life. You don't have the power. You don't have the patience. You don't have the parenting skills. You don't have the work ethic. You know why? Because you have not prayed. That's what it means to ask. And God wants us to go to Him and tap into the power of heaven and say, God, I need divine intervention in my life. Take a look at Matthew chapter 17. Because it really lets us see exactly how this power can be tapped into in our life and how it works within our life when things are too huge, to put it simply. When the moment is too grand. When there's insurmountable odds. And I know I'm starting to sound like a you know uh, movie preview. They were facing insurmountable odds. Right? <laughs> You kind of expect the Fellowship of the Rings to come out and little Frodo to put the ring in the middle. And... But isn't that a lot of times how life feels? And what God is telling us to do is, hey, listen, is you haven't gone to me. And that's what the church was facing in Acts chapter 12 insurmountable odds. A task too great for themselves. 
And Jesus tells us exactly how to handle it in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14. It says, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. I need to pause just for a second. He wasn't saying his son was a teenager. I know that some translations mess that up. And lunatic is switched for teenager. That's not what's going on here, okay? In those times, demon possession showed itself in different ways. And that's what's taking place here. It says, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and a demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. Not in you. Not by you. To you. Meaning it's being done through the power of the Holy Spirit of God in you, in your life. Verse 21, But this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. Jesus returns from the mount of his transfiguration, having been aside in, in, with, in the mountains with Peter, James, and John. These guys are on a spiritual high. I mean, imagine going up to a mountain and Jesus all of a sudden shows you his full glory. What he looks like and how he stands in the throne room of God of heaven. Because that's what they experienced. They're excited and they're ready to conquer the world. It's like hearing an amazing message, having a great time of worship, going through one of the most amazing conferences you've ever been to. You're on this spiritual energizer, right? It's just you're the energizer bunny when it comes spiritually. But then we go two verses later. Because as verse 16 tells us, their excitement leaves because the mountain that they've tried to climb now is just way too high. The man looks at Jesus and he says, hey listen, Jesus, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cure my son. So what ends up happening? Well, Jesus speaks and the boy is cured. 
But the disciples have a hard question that they have to have answered, right? Why? Look at verse 19. The disciples come to Jesus privately and they say to him, Why could we not drive it out? Why, Jesus? We were just with you on the mountaintop with Elijah and Moses. We just heard God speak. We saw you in all your glory. And man, we're excited. We believe. We, know, we could tackle mountains for you, Jesus. We could do so many different things. But why couldn't we cast out this demon? Why was this spiritual stronghold just too strong for us? Why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we master this when we had just seen, experienced, and felt something amazing? And that's when the answer of why, the question of why, gets an unexpected answer. Jesus says, hey, listen, mountains will not move, spiritual strongholds will not crumble, growth will not occur until you have gone to God and shared it with Him. Until you have tapped into the power of God on high. Because you are going to that demon-possessed child and you are commanding it in your own strength. And a lot of times we get excited, we read something exciting, we have this spiritual thing, an awakening take place in our life, and we continue on in our own strength rather than staying on in the power and strength of God. Instead of remaining in that source of excitement, what do we do? We go on in our own strength. And Jesus says, hey, listen, until you have spiritually feasted on what God has to do and the growth that he wants for your life, you can't physically do what hasn't been spiritually done. And what do I mean by that? There are needs that are especially great, obstacles that are especially too big, that are in a whole different dimension with a lot of difficulty to them. Peter was in prison. He had been arrested by Herod the Great. Backed by Rome. Backed by a, a religious sect. And his future was death. That doesn't look too good. On a human side, maybe you could try to do an uprising. The very few of you that you have. But maybe you would get past the temple guards, right? But as soon as you got into that cell with Peter and you start to take the chains off him, you would be surrounded by Rome and they would be crushing you down. You would be all dead. And guess what? That's the end of the church as we would have known it. So what did the people do, knowing that they had no strength to do what needed to be spiritually done? They prayed. It says that they got down on their knees and they prayed fervently for something that could not be done physically. Jesus says, hey, guess what? 
In your spiritual life, if you're looking at the mountains and you can't physically lift that mountain, but you could spiritually talk to it. And he says, you'll be able to go and look at that mountain and say, move from here to there and nothing will be impossible to you. Because that is God working in your life. Some things require specific breakthrough in the heavenlies. There's spiritual problems that are mounting. Spiritually things that need to be discerned. Things that need to and require the power of God, the power from on high to move forward. And Jesus says that there is a way to obtain this spiritual power and breakthrough such as is needed in these special moments. It's godly prayer with fasting to unleash spiritual power in your life. The disciples were spiritually unable to do battle in that moment. Why? Because their opponent was fiercer than they had ever faced. Listen, the disciples had casted out demons before. When they were released in 72, right? When they were released in pairs, they were excited. They came back and they said right away to Jesus, Hey, guess what, Jesus? We casted out demons in your name. But this one was more powerful than they had expected. The word is tatautogenos. And it means this type of species to which this one belongs. Sometimes we face a stronger opponent than we're physically able to bear, don't we? Like when we lose a loved one. Like when somebody we care about is sick. Like when we lose our job. Those are things that are way too heavy to bear, aren't they? Jesus is saying, I don't want you to bear that alone. That kind is not for you to bear alone. Where you're too weak to take on an opponent, you don't rely on your last win, do you? What do you do? Any good athlete, if they know that they have a stronger, more fiercer opponent, they don't just say, you know what, I beat the last guy. They train. They train. And as spiritual believers, we are in a tournament of life. And it's not about relying on your last victory. Because Satan is going to come and he's going to hit you even harder than before. The world is going to bruise you and throw things at you that are stronger than you experienced before. You can't overcome it if you're not down on your knees in prayer and in fasting. Why? Because that is power unleashed. In the book of Acts, verse four, chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas didn't know how to choose the elders of the church, they went in prayer and fasting for spiritual breakthrough. 
Brothers and sisters, in, in Acts 13, where they're trying to figure out who the apostles should send to, to you know, continue on and, and be missionaries of the church, they worshiped, prayed, and fasted, and God gave them the answer. When Jonah was in the belly of a giant fish, he had done wrong, he had sinned, he had gone against God, and now he's just being digested. Jonah chapter 3, what does he do? He spends time in prayer and fasting. Brothers and sisters, if we need the spiritual breakthrough in our life, the physical breakthrough in our life, we could be overcomers in Christ. Nothing could be impossible for you. Chains can melt away. You can walk right out of that prison cell is what Scripture is telling us in Acts chapter 12. And what does he do? Who's there? It's Peter. Oh, Peter, we were just praying for you. A little girl runs back over to the people and no one believes her. Because that's the power of prayer in your life. Listen, fasting is a deliberate abstinence of physical gratification to achieve a spiritual goal. You're saying, God, I'm going to do without. I'm going in a denial of the flesh in response to what the Holy Spirit can do. I'm looking for a filling, not in my belly, for, for what I physically need, but I'm looking for a filling that is spiritual that only you can do. It's saying no to yourself, clearing the distractions in life to focus on this hurdle that's up ahead. It's a faith builder. And that's why Jesus says this kind doesn't go out without prayer and fasting. Brothers and sisters, the church was looking at insurmountable odds. And maybe you're dealing with something similar today. Maybe you're needing a breakthrough because you feel more like you're breaking. Scripture says you go to God in prayer and in fasting. You want power? then don't turn on the kerosene lamps of self. You go to the one who created the grid, leads the grid, powers the grid, energizes the grid, and you hand it to him. What roadblocks are in your way? What physical hurdles do you need spiritually lifted? Because Jesus said, you'll look at that mountain, you'll say, move from here to there. He's saying, you go to God and you say, God, I have something, but I know you're bigger and greater. For spiritual awakening, for strongholds to come down, stop trying to do it your way. Go to the source of prayer and fasting and ask for His divine intervention. Amen? Amen. I have a challenge for you this week. 
this Friday, let's all join in together in prayer and fasting. Go without so God can do. Pray for God to do a spiritual growth in your life this week. Whatever guidance you've been seeking, ask Him to make it apparent. Whatever obstacle has been in your way, ask Him to handle. Whatever person has a hardened heart, God knows how to work in those, doesn't He? Whatever eyes need to be opened, whatever person you need to share the gospel with and have a breakthrough, whatever it might be, a child at home that's wayward, whatever it might be, a, a position, a job, whatever it is, finances, health, go to God. Let's do it together. What was the church doing together on their knees? Praying. Praying, petitioning, fervently before the throne for God to do what they physically could not do. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you are king above. But sometimes we doubt, Lord. We have those Rhoda moments. We have those Peter moments. He was walking in the middle of the city saying, this must be a dream. It's too easy. The church, as they were praying as a small group inside of that room, hidden, afraid of what was coming next. Lord, they doubted. No, that can't be Peter at the door. But Lord, you're the God who's able. You're the God that in the moment when, we were, when, when Israel was surrounded by hordes of armies of Pharaoh's chariots and his best soldiers, and everybody said, there's no way out, we're going to die. Lord, you split the sea to make a way. Lord, when everybody else was looking at a giant putting on armor. You took a little boy with three stones. Because nothing is impossible for you. And Lord, when we were dirty in our own sin, when we were overcome by the wrongs that we commit, when we couldn't find our way, you came as the way, as the truth and the life. And Lord, you provided the way for eternity for us by dying on the cross for all the wrongs we've ever done and ever will do and raising again three days later. Lord, all this to say that there is nothing that is impossible with our God. That's a word that doesn't fit in your vocabulary because you can do all things. Lord, I pray that whatever stronghold is in our life, whatever it might be, it doesn't necessarily have to be sin or temptation. It could be just a person that is rubbing us the wrong way. Family that is hurting us. 
a loved one that's sick, financial position that we don't know how to get out of. Lord, I pray that we would just hand it to you. Lord, as a church, I know that there's so many here right now. They're here hurting. Lord, their body aches because their heart is so broken. And Lord, I know that you, you weep with them. And Lord, I pray that right now they would just hand over whatever burden that is. In this moment of silence and prayer as a church, that we would just go to you and all of us would hand over our heavy burden. And we just ask the one who can to handle it for us because we can't. Lord, that we would just go to you every day, turning on that great power that we have in prayer. And Lord, in those moments that we feel like the mountain is way too big to scale, that we would just spend that day in fasting, going without so we can see who can. Lord, I pray that you would just encourage each one of us to every day be in your word and strengthen ourselves in your word and standing on those promises and knowing, Lord, that we are your children. And Lord, that the day we breathe our last here on earth is the day we breathe our first in heaven. But until that day, Lord, keep us busy about your work. Keep us focusing on you. Keep us free from doubting by every day being in you, growing in you, and overcoming obstacles through prayer and fasting. We pray this in the name of our God, our Savior, the one who is able, the one who can, Jesus Christ. We hand it all to you, Lord, all our heavy burdens, knowing and waiting expectantly on what you can do, the breakthrough in our life. In Jesus' name we pray and we all ask. And all God's people said, Amen.